Welcome to the midweek edition of the Redbird Report. We're not panicking anymore. We're more calm on this edition of the Redbird Report. That's that's the voice of Mike Marr, a Vedette Sports Editor. Also joining us, as promised, the other Vedette Sports Editor, Nate Head. Nate, are you panicking? You were not on the Sunday edition when we hit the panic button. Are you hitting the panic button? You know, when you guys are recording this on Sunday, you know, I heard the panic alarms... Uh, sounding, but uh, no, I, I'm not panicking to the degree of you guys quite yet. So Nate had not panicking. You did come out with a column, was it last Thursday, in, in, La, in the Bird, uh, talking about how you didn't think it was time to panic yet. Uh, obviously, things have changed since then. What do you make of the game on Saturday since you were not with us on Sunday? Well, uh, regarding the column, you know that came after a you know a tough loss to a really talented Northern Arizona team. So at that point. Um, you know, I didn't think too much of the Lost. I mean, they were really uh, beat pretty much in all aspects of the game. But I thought that the team would come out and, you know, perform way better in Carbondale. And obviously that was not the story. So, no, I'm not as confident as I was when I wrote that column. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm still not quite ready to, to press the, the panic button. But, uh, you know, my finger is definitely is close to the button. <laughs> So Nate, Nate, I think out of the three of us, Nate had always been the most optimistic about this Redbird team. I think Mike and I would be honest that we had reservations the whole time. We had our doubts going back. I mean, you look at the Butler game, and we kind of thought, okay, there's flaws with this team, but it's Butler. It's week one. Let's we, see what they do. Yeah, I mean, the Butler game was the they correct. Were but then as we went on, we looked at Eastern. We're like, okay, we're still optim. We're, you know, there's still optimism I, I, there. I, for- think, I think the game that that gave us. The, the real re- reservations were the back-to-back Missouri State-Indiana State games, which the team only played half a game both times. And the Missouri State game was the second half, Indiana State was the first half, but both of those games, you could find two really bad halves, the first half against Missouri State and the second half against Indiana State. They just did not show up. No, and that's when we looked and we're like, okay, this is where you have to separate yourself from being either that low. Again, it comes back to that conversation we had. What tier are they in the Missouri Valley Conference? Are they that higher tier with North Dakota State, South Dakota, or are they that lower tier with Indiana State, Missouri State? In those two games, you play one half, you can't really tell, and I, I think we're, we've been able to tell here these past couple weeks. Obviously, the losses to Northern Arizona and now Southern Illinois. We get ready. We talked a little bit about South Dakota, but this podcast will mainly focus on the South Dakota game. Homecoming, we'll talk a lot, I'm sure, about just kind of homecoming and everything else going around the game as well. We'll also touch upon, it's weird on homecoming weekend. I, I always enjoy when you have as many homecoming games as possible. And football is really the only show in town this weekend. Unfortunately, volleyball and soccer both away this weekend. We'll, we'll touch upon volleyball and maybe even just a little bit of soccer. But it's a, it's always unfortunate to me when you can't get all the teams home at once. That's just how the schedule worked out. But for football, that's it. There's, there's no other games on campus to distract from you do have hoop, You have Hoop Fest on Friday. That's which, not a game, though. I mean, we're, we're talking about well, competitive action. Well, the thing here is, depending on – I mean, seriously, if you look at the last couple of weeks – and it's funny because I went back and I read some old stories from last year's football team because obviously it kind of went down the same path, a little bit different. It's a little, it's there are two different teams, two different scenarios, obviously. But at one point last year, when the, I the losing slides are looking very similar, correct? Right and that and that's the similarity. So I went back and read some of uh, past editor Josh Tolentino's stories, and he he during that skid last year, he said, you know what? He goes, it's gonna, you know, this skid right here for the football team is gonna leave people scratching their head, wondering where basketball season is. When 
does basketball start? Guess what, people? Basketball starts on Friday. As far as I'm concerned, it starts Friday. Media Day is you know next week. I, I, so all I'm saying though is is people might turn to basketball on Saturday. And bas- and I mean Friday night's a preview. That's all I'm saying is Friday night's a preview, and and people might be itching to get back to Redbird Arena and say you know what Hancock Stadium. We'll see you next fall. Well, we could talk more about basketball at another time. I think you and I have had these conversations off the air. I'm curious where Nate comes in. I know Mike, you're very positive about this team. I'll be I'll be honest. I just think there's so many new pieces, and you're looking at someone like Malik Yarborough, who's expected to probably be the best player. And we had this conversation last night. I said to you, how many <laughs> get how many competitive games has Malik Yarborough played in? Um, so for Illinois State basketball, it, it is interesting to see how they overcome losing their top, really their best three players from last season. Nate, where do you come down? I know this is a football podcast, but you mentioned basketball. That's the hoop fest. That's the slam dunk contest for the men's side, the three-point contest for the women's side, and all the 10-minute the scrimmages just to get a taste of the team. I'm interested to see how a lot of those freshmen uh, play, obviously led by Elijah Clarence. He's probably the big recruit. Um, Nate, what, what do you think of this Redbird team? Mike's very optimistic about them. I'm a little bit more pep- pessimistic. Where do you fall on them? Uh, similar to the football team, you can find me in the optimistic side for this basketball squad as well. Uh, definitely discouraging to you know lose the core of the team, you'd, you'd argue, with... Mikhail McIntosh, yeah. Yate Hawkins, Paris Lee, all gone. And, yeah, so... And by the way, we should note, two of those did not have to be gone. Paris graduated, but... I feel like Deontay's transfer sort of went under the radar just a little bit. Did he end up at Boston College? I he's know. at he's at Boston College. He, from what I understand of the situation, is he he did actually decommit, opened up his recruiting again, and committed again. Is now he's now on the roster. Uh, I I mean I know I reached out to Boston College a few weeks back to confirm if he was on there. I never heard back, but he's on their 2017-18 roster. So I'm going to assume he's there. And obviously we all know Mikhail McIntosh is. Is, is in the green and, and yellow for the Oregon Ducks. See, if I'm Mikhail, I understand, and we're getting too much in the weeds here about basketball. We'll try to wrap it up around here, but I, I would say I understand Mikhail going to Oregon. I think that's a move that makes sense. You want to get yourself more exposure. Mm-hmm. My mom's an alumni of, of Boston College. I've watched plenty of Boston College athletics the last couple of years. There's not much there. I don't understand Deontay Hawkins leaving, especially because last year I would say when when Mikhail went down, he really stepped up as the number two, and it seemed like there was a good opportunity this year for him to play alongside someone like Malik Yarborough. I think we all agreed maybe there wasn't enough basketballs for Yarborough, McIntosh, and Hawkins to all be successful, but I think there's plenty of room for both Hawkins and, of course, Malik Yarborough. And so I don't understand. I mean, get go to the ACC, that's great, but you're playing in Boston College. I mean, this is a team that a couple of years ago went winless in the ACC. I, I don't think they've made tremendous strides since then. So I, that's a move that's always puzzled me. And I think, again, he was looking to go somewhere better, mm-hmm. and nobody and the offer just never came. Right, and the thing about Boston College, and you know me, Tom, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I watch a lot of ACC basketball. There's not a lot of winning to be had there. I mean, we're not talking about him going from one program to another. Where you know what? Okay, we were conference champs. You know, we lose to Wichita State in the conference semi uh, in the conference final. If, well, let's be honest. I think if you're looking at a better NCAA tournament bid, now I'm not sure you're, that's you're what, looking at Illinois State over yeah. Boston College. The league's much. I mean, the league's just much easier. Even though the ACC obviously gets a tremendous amount number of large bids, you're talking about you have to go at least 500 in the ACC. And I just they're nowhere near. Yeah. They're nowhere near that. Now when you play Duke, Syracuse. Notre Dame. North Carolina, you know, the reigning national champions. Yeah. yeah, of course you threw the North Carolina in there. But either way, but you look at those and then you always get, you know, Clemson is always scrappy over there. You know, NC State, 
forget about Pittsburgh, Syracuse, yeah, all the, the new additions to the ACC as well, Louisville. It's, obviously, they'll be they'll interesting be, this year. It'll be interesting. But either way, you know, to wrap up this little basketball and get back, you know, bring the reins back in for a second, that doesn't make much sense because, you know, Boston College is lower tier of the ACC. But I guess his play. idea was that he wanted to get more exposure. Correct. And we'll, I think this is a, that's a topic we can debate a at another long. time. But Different time. So, so to, to recap... Mike and Nate very optimistic about the basketball team and if you're if you're on campus for homecoming I went to Hoops Fest last year I covered it it's a great event pretty quick as well it's only about 90 minutes and afterwards you get to get autographs from all the players Dan Muller walks around so if you're on campus for homecoming I'd really recommend going to Hoops Fest uh, I think it's 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock? 645 uh, 645 so 7, 6.45, 7 o'clock on Friday evening at Redbird Arena but that is just the appetizer for the main event and it looks like it'll be coyotes and birds. The question will be who will be feasting on whom this weekend. And I know a lot of us in this room believe it could be coyotes having a nice redbird dinner coming up on Saturday afternoon. But let, let, let's be optimistic on some fronts. Um, you know, we just put, we're, you guys are putting the, together the paper right now. Predictions come out tomorrow. We don't want to give away too much, but I do know. There's a couple predictions in there that do have the Illinois State Redbirds coming away victorious. Um, let's start with Vedette Sports Editor Nate Head. Uh, Nate, you're the most optimistic in this room. When you start looking towards Saturday and we start talking about the South Dakota team coming to town, what are your thoughts on this upcoming matchup? Well, you know, I'm expecting a, a, an ISU team to come out Recharged, to be honest. I think the homecoming crowd is going to be loud. I think they're going to be encouraging. And it's important to remember that the football team, they have not been at home. This is only going to be their, what, their third home game? So they've been on the road consistently, I think four out of their last five games. So it's going to be really important for them to come back to Hancock Stadium. And as Brock Speck you know, mentioned in his press conference the other day, what a perfect time for homecoming uh, for the Redbirds. They're sliding downwards. They could use this uplifting from the crowd. And, you know, in my prediction, I do have ISU losing, but I'm not going to have them uh, to, you know, such a degree that, you know, some some others might, might think. Uh, I think it's going to be a well-contested game. And, and let's be honest, I think we said this in the last podcast, Nate, so you weren't here, but I, th- I think we said, both of us agreed, Mike, if we saw signs of life from the Redbirds, that would be a positive sign. So even if we're talking a 27-24 loss, hypothetically, I think that's a positive outcome for the Redbirds, considering everything that's happened. This is number four team in the country, so even if this was a top 10 team, the, if this Redbird team was still ranked eighth in the country, there's still a decent chance they would have lost this game anyway. So just to be competitive, be around it, would be a positive outcome, at least would give us probably some signs of hope for the rest of the season. We talk about how it's bad to see Illinois State show up for one half. I think some Redbird fans might find some comfort if they actually show up for a half. Because I think right now... It has to be the first half, let's be honest. It can't be the second half. Correct. They have to come out strong in the first half. Correct. I think a lot of people might find, like I said, some comfort in seeing them actually come out for a first half. Battle South Dakota, who is just... I'm telling you, I've gone back, and like I told you last week, time, I kind of like watching some some film on who they're playing, just so I get an idea of just looking at you, because looking at the stats is one thing. Um, This team is a lot better than, I think, their stats show. I mean, just completely dominated... Indiana State a week ago, and I know we're talking about Indiana State, but we're talking, I mean, Indiana State came in at Hancock Stadium and gave Illinois State a scare. So, all I'm going to say 
is if Illinois State could show up for the first half, and we talked about it Sunday, if they could go into the half 24-17, 21-10, something where it's like, okay, hey, we're in this game at the break, we've got them on their heels, I, I, I think people might find that okay, because right now I'm t- we were not the only ones that hit the panic button on Sunday, and, and we got some feedback, and, and, and that's that's what Redbird Nation is right now, is Redbird Nation is panicked about where this team stands. And we do want to thank a lot of Redbird Nation. We heard we got a lot of emails, we got some tweets as well, and we do thank you for reaching out and you know letting us know what you think. We we want to have the Redbird Nation be involved in this conversation as well. You can reach Mike. Mike, what's your Twitter? My Twitter is Mike Mara Ilstu I L S T U, and I'm at T Prizeman T P R I Z E M A N and the Nate. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at at NateHead51. And then if they want to email us as well, what what's the sports uh, email for the Vedette? There is no direct sports email, but we've oh, got no. we've got you could email both Nate and I at our Ilstu emails. Mine is M M A R R A at Ilstu.edu. And Nate. And mine is the Vedette underscore N D head at Ilstu. So there you go. So if you want to reach out, we'd really do appreciate hearing from you guys and hearing your perspective on things. And Mike, I think you and I both heard, especially in your column, but you know, I was paying more attention just to the, the podcast general response. Um, and I think you saw in both the response to your column and the podcast, a lot of people were agreeing with what you were saying, and a lot of people were saying, this is how alumni are feeling, this is how people who are Redbird fans are feeling right now. And I think there's a sense out there that and this Redbird community that there is that this is a team in free fall. Yeah, and, and that was reassuring because obviously when you write these kinds of things, you know, it, it's open for opinion. And that's the best and that's the thing is, is, you know, this is my opinion, I'm voicing it, but it really seemed like this was a column that gave the Redbird fans a voice that was like, Okay, you know what, this is what we're thinking, this is what we're saying, but you know, we can't reach, you know, the Kaufman football building, whereas the Vedette gets dropped off at the foot Kaufman football building every Monday, Thursday. Well, maybe so. not anymore after this last <laughs> But uh, so you know, to see those kinds of things is good. And it, again, it's just we're not the only ones sitting here talking about it. Sometimes you wonder if you know what other people are thinking. You know how you can't really gauge some other you know some some of the followers of the Vedette or followers of Redbird Nation. You can't really gauge you know some of their feelings. And so to to see that this is what actually what they're feeling, we're on the right page here or on a similar page. Uh, you know, it's a sign that Illinois State football needs to turn this thing around quick. So, Mike, you went to the press conference yesterday. Before, we'll, we'll break down the South Dakota game more in just a moment, but we talked a lot about how we were, I would say, anticipating that press conference yesterday, and we were anticipating what Brock's back would say. Mike, take us through. You were there. You were at the Kaufman football building. What did you see in that press conference, uh, starting with Brock's back's opening statement? Uh, his, his opening statement was longer than usual. Um, the thing about Brock's back yesterday was he acknowledged, you know, I, he didn't use the word ugliness, but that's that's the term that I think you can use the last two weeks. Um, he acknowledged that they got beat pretty bad, and they've been beaten in pretty much every aspect of the game. He, he acknowledged that, um, and he 
says you don't want to make any excuses for this team, but when you have to say, I don't want to make any excuses, but usually you're leading to an excuse. And so what he was heavy, heavily re- relying upon... I wouldn't even call it I would say he's leading to reasons why he feels that the team has struggled. Maybe not even excuses. That's also a good way to put it. But he, he led... He started talking about how youth, how youthful this team is. I mean, how young they are. Uh, you know, he's talking which about... It's true, especially in spots along the offensive line, which is obviously very important. Correct. And then the big thing that we talked about on Sunday is this defense that, you know, appeared to be so dominant cannot force a turnover against a prominent offense. And I wouldn't even call – I would call Northern Arizona a prominent offense. I'm not calling Southern, Southern Illinois a, a prominent offense. Who That was just – that's just a bad effort. Um, so when you go over to the defensive side of the ball, the question was asked, is it concerning that they're not turning the ball over more? They're not forcing enough turnovers compared to the rate that they're giving the ball away? And he said, yeah. And then the other thing is the defense hasn't scored. The defense isn't producing turnovers, let alone scoring on turnovers. Well, I think the big thing as well is that the defense isn't producing short fields for the offense, which I think we can all agree desperately needs some help. And the one way to get that is through, through special teams, through defense, and I think both of those areas that have really were very highly talked about in the early season. Spencer Schnell had some really nice returns, I think, back to Eastern. He had a huge return down to like the five-yard line. Um, I think in the defense, in that Eastern game again, they had a huge day, and again against Missouri State. But since that point, the defense and special teams have faltered just a little bit for Illinois State. Uh, Sean Slattery's had some struggles, as we, we've talked about before. And One thing that was interesting, Mike, you, we talked about what you were going to ask, and uh, you got to ask your question about Jay Colby. Just take us through what that was like, and uh, what what was the response? Well, obviously, after you know you talk about the quarterback situation in the column, I wasn't going to sit back in the in the back of the press conference, you know, kind of huddle up, you know, like okay, I wrote it, and I'm not going to say anything. I asked Brock's back what the what the situation is, especially regarding Malachi Broadnax, and he said that uh, come Saturday, you know, it depends on the game if he's going to get in and how much time he gets in the game. He said they wanted to, you know, going back to Southern Illinois, he wanted to get more snaps from Malachi, but you know they found themselves down. You know, fast. They've you know they went down twenty-one nothing in the first quarter, and his drive. I believe he came in in the third drive when it was seven to nothing, and it was a quick three and out. And then they you know Southern Illinois comes back and scores two touchdowns right after that. And so Spack said it wasn't you know to quote him. He said it wasn't his cup of tea to put him in that game and make him air it out to come back into a game. And so if it's more of a fifty-fifty game, you'll see a lot more Malachi Broadnax. So one thing that was interesting, and I took from that, he said that he was not going to play him. Unless it was a one score or roughly that, basically he said one or two scores, and if it were they were tied or winning. And what I took from that is that he does not want Malachi Brodnick to throw the ball. He wants Malachi Brodnick to come in and pretty much exclusively run the option, run the read option, run the ball on the ground, scramble. You know, but he doesn't want him to throw the ball. Or if he is, it's going to be very safe passes, very low risk passes, and. I'm surprised he would say that for a couple reasons. A, it lets opposing teams know. I don't know how much South Dakota pays attention to press conference, but if they read that, if I'm the defensive coordinator and I see Malachi Brodnick's coming into the game, I'm going, okay, we're stacking the box. We're going to put eight in the box and dare him to throw over the top of us because apparently they don't want to throw that. Now, maybe Spack said that on purpose doing a Cad Mouse game. We'll, we'll see. But beyond that as well, I'm surprised that they don't want let Brodnick's throw it at all. I mean, if you're bringing a quarterback in, I think you got to let him throw just a little bit. So we'll see. I've had my reservations about Malachi Brodnick's. I think he's a talented player, but I think he might be maybe a year away from being a capable starter. Nate, we talked a lot on Sunday's edition of the podcast about the quarterback battle. 
Uh, I was advocating for Tristan Smith to come in. I he, you didn't get a chance to ask Mike in the press conference yesterday, and nobody did about Tristan Smith. I, I that was the one disappointing thing from my side. I was hoping someone would just ask about Tristan Smith, um, but nobody did. And you did ask about Brodnick, and we got that answer. But I'm curious, Nate, where do you come down on this quarterback battle between Colby, who's obviously had his moments of greatness, but also had his real disappointing moments, and then Brodnick's and possibly Tristan Smith as well. Uh, the quarterback situation is definitely interesting right now for the football team. Um, the way I see it and how I predict uh, Saturday will will kind of turn out is it'll it'll be the Colby show. Um, you know, for the majority of the game, I do expect a couple occasions and a couple you know possessions for for Broadnax to to come in the game, and you know maybe not air the ball out, but at least provide a different look for this defense. Um, or for you know the opposing defense, it just seems like ISU needs a spark and, and a new look. And I think Broadnax can definitely you know provide that. You know I go back to Week One uh, against Butler. He was out on the option and, and ran a pretty flawless option to to Jordan Birch, who you know ended up you know making a highlight play, leaping over the the defender to score. But I think this ISU offense desperately needs you know a fresh face in there for at least a couple drives. But I'm not you know I'm not ready to you know, give him the keys to the offense and say, go ahead. And, you know, regarding Tristan Smith, uh, you know, I see both sides. He looks like he's talented. I've seen him a couple times in practice. Um, I know they really want to preserve his red shirt. Uh, so that'll just be, you know, he hasn't really said much. Spack has not, you know, said a lot about it. So it'll be interesting to see, but that's how I see it uh, unfolding on Saturday. It's interesting. We have not really heard if there's been discussions about removing that registered tag from Tristan Smith. Certainly we've not seen any indications of that in the media. I wouldn't be surprised if that was at least a conversation at some point, but there's been no real clear indication that that has ever been a thought in Brock's back's mind. Uh, Now we turn our attention towards the South Dakota Coyotes as they come to town. Number four team in the country. Mike, you said you watched some tape on them. Uh, you, You broke down some stuff, and I know you also have some connections to this team as well. Just take us through. Give us a little preview of the fourth-ranked Coyotes. Well, they're off. I mean, their team is led by Chris Streller, the quarterback, uh, a native of uh, Woodstock, Illinois, not too far from the city. It's about an hour out of the city. Uh, played him in high school, and uh, he was a senior. I was a junior. What, what was the score of that game? It was a lot to uh, seven. It was a lot to seven. That's all <laughs> I'll say. I don't. I honestly do not remember what the number that it was that they put up. But it, it looked. It was a lopsided score. Like it was like Southern Illinois versus Illinois State. It was a crooked week. number. It was a very crooked number. I do remember him tossing for five touchdowns. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you what, just going back to that game, uh, and obviously a high school, uh, you know, video room is a lot different than a college one. But I mean, I, we just it was like, okay, this kid's going to throw the ball, he's going to air it out. But the thing is, is he's not the same player he was back in high school. Um, and obviously, you know why. I mean, you know, four years, you know, at a Division One level. I mean, a transfer from the Big Ten went to Minnesota, was redshirted for a year. He went to Minnesota for a year. Correct. correct? Yeah, he went to Minnesota for a year, was redshirted, transferred to South. Dakota and he's kind of transformed his game and don't get me wrong he ran the ball in high school but not at the rate he will uh, to the rate to the extent these days Uh, so he can run the ball he can throw the ball and the thing is, is, he's got like a linebacker build. He can run the ball very, very well. He's coming off a Missouri Valley Conference Offensive Player of the Week award, as well as a Na- uh, the FCS National Player of the Week award. So he is he's coming in uh, riding a hot hand. Uh, so the thing is, and Brock's back to acknowledge this is, they rally around him. 
You know, he's the type of quarterback that can not only get in an offensive huddle and tell these guys, hey, you know what, we need to put points on the board, we need to lead lead us down the field, get some points on the board, but he can look at the entire team and the entire team in the locker room rather around this guy. And, you know, it, it, that's what Illinois State lacks right now, and that's what South Dakota has. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to suffocate you. I mean, they're they're going to make you feel un, as uncomfortable as possible as an offense. They're going to get a decent rush, and you know what? Their DBs and, and, and linebacking core plays very, very well. They're, very, they're another quick team, and they're a very physical team. Uh, and that was the one thing that Another thing Brock's back said yesterday was, uh, you know, the offensive line needs to get a. He said there's some nasty guys on the offensive line. The only issue with that is there's nastier guys that they're playing on defense. And, you know, these guys from, from South Dakota, to put in Brock's back's terms, they're pretty nasty. Uh, so let's take a look at their schedule so far this season for South Dakota. Probably the marquee win, I would say, is the win over Bowling Green, an FBS opponent. 35-27 in Ohio at Bowling Green. And then they follow that up. How about this stretch, Mike? I mean, we talked about Illinois State, a killer stretch. At Bowling Green FBS versus North Dakota, ranked 10 in the country at home. At Western Illinois, home for Youngstown State. And they went 4-0 during that stretch. That's an incredible stretch. I would argue that's harder than the, the stretch that Illinois State has coming up. You factor in FBS opponent, you factor in three teams in the top 15 in the country. And they passed all of those tests. And you would say 45-7 over North Dakota, 38-33 over Western, and then a incredible 31-28. That was a great game against Youngstown State. And they've, they've dominated any team they've played this so far this season. And you look at the games that they've played against lesser opponents, 77-7 against Drake, and then 56-6 against Indiana State. So... Illinois State is hoping they're in that top group because if they're not, 77-7, 45-7, 56-6, this team can lay down on the smack. The two games I'm most impressed with there, and I'm not discrediting Bowling Green because that's an FBS opponent, but the games that stood out to me on that schedule are the win over Youngstown because, I mean, I don't believe Youngstown. I mean, and you look back at Youngstown's run to the championship last year, and they had some luck. I mean, you need to have some luck when you get to the, the FCS championship, but they're still the runner-up. But they're not, I don't believe they're the same team. But still, they're still a top-10 team in, in the FCS, so that's a great win right there. And that's one that they had to gut out. And then, But the one that stands out to me is North Dakota. I mean, the number 10 team in the country, and you go out there and just pulverize them. I, I think Illinois State's got their hands full this weekend. And I'm telling you, South Dakota and Bob Nelson, they've completely revamped that program. And I'm telling you, they're every bit as good as number four in the country sounds. Nate, when you look at this team, what stands out to you about this South Dakota team led by a great quarterback? But I think the defense as well, Mike, that's something that maybe doesn't get talked about enough for South Dakota is really solid defense as well. And now they come into normal Illinois. And I think there's always a, a little bit of a mindset of a team where if you're, the other team schedules homecoming, a little bit of disrespect. And I think South Dakota is picking up on that. Yeah, you know, when you think of this team, you don't think of the defense right away just because the offense is so, you know, explosive and has all these weapons. So I have to draw another parallel to this offense to North Air then two Northern Arizonas. I think this team's going to come out and air the ball out. Um, their quarterback, Chris, Chris Streveler, leads the conference right now in passing yards a game. I want to say it's like 310, which is 
the second place guy is like 30 yards underneath that. So they're going to throw the ball, and it's just going to come down to if ISU can stop it. They did not stop it in, in Arizona, and they're going to have to really figure it out in the secondary. You know, they have the, the talent back there to do it with, you know, Harris and, you know, Coker and, and all these guys, but they're really going to have to rise to the occasion because there's no secret what's going to happen. I mean, these guys are going to come out and throw the ball, and it's just, yeah, it's just a matter if they can, you know, defend it. And Strebler is not only the leading passer on this team, obviously, also the leading rusher by a good 250 yards, and you have to factor in as well that you, you lose yards in a sack in college football. Those count as rushing yards, so the fact that he's the leading rusher by you know, almost 150, 200 yards is pretty incredible because you factor in those sacks as well. He's ran for over 450 yards in the season, eight touchdowns, averaging 75 yards a game of the round to go along with Nate Sed's 310 yards in the air. And the thing is, and you got the stats in front of you. I don't believe he's been sacked very much at all. So that's this all this defensive line. We've talked about how good. I mean, I know for one. I, I mean, I, I said you need to watch out for Dalton Keene, who's going to have a huge, huge year. And he's had a good. He, he's really turned his season around. You didn't hear much about Dalton Keene up until these last two games. Uh, but I'm. Uh, this is this is going to be a true test because this is the best offensive line that they're going to face. And, and it doesn't appear. I believe from what I looked at, he has not been sacked very much at all. They've outscored opponents 87-13 to in the first quarter. That's a concern if you're the Redbirds at home. You have to get off to a good start, and you cannot afford to fall behind. So the one thing I'm going to ask you right there, because there's a thought going through my head. If you're Illinois State and you win the toss... Do you get you, you take the ball because you know a lot of people you know and I'm always I'm always one of those guys that's like put, yeah, the, put, put the defense on the field and you know get a stop right away but I'm with you right there if you're Illinois State and knowing that stat and just you you need you need the offense to find a groove early because if not this team's going to capitalize and you need to send a message like you said you know what I'm also thinking about. I'm having my my onside kick team practice a lot this week. I'm thinking about you're pulling out all the stops this week. I'm thinking about maybe opening kickoff. You try to pull a little New Orleans Saints 09 Super Bowl where you onside kick. I'm I, I'm pulling out every possible stop. <laughs> this is Mike. This is the kitchen sink game. This is your season is on the line. I think even in that even though that locker room where they have a lot of confidence, they know how important this game is in terms of trying to set a tone for the rest of their season and really trying to reverse a trend. And if I if I'm Brock's back, I'm pulling out every single thing in my repertoire. I'm throwing I'm pulling out reverses. I'm throwing out every trick play in my playbook, trying to find something that'll stick against the South Dakota team. And and I love that idea. And, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. How often have we seen Illinois State try to run a little jet sweep, a little reverse? These teams stop it, and, and it's because ISU. You know when they're running it. And and I, I and I'm not trying to be super negative over here because you know we haven't even gotten into predictions and all that. But when you look at Illinois State, whenever they try to throw the kitchen sink and bring in a little jet sweep, a little reverse, it just gets stopped at the line or it gets stopped five yards behind the line. And this is not a team to be messing around with. This team will come in, and there's blood in the water. The second that South Dakota steps on the field, they're the sharks, and there's blood in the water. And I, they will pounce, and that's just it. Is I don't think, and you have to throw the kitchen sink at them, like you said. But my my thing with that is what does Illinois State have left to throw at anybody? Be- I, I would say they have a decent amount. I think they've saved a lot for this portion of the schedule. I think purposely knowing that how difficult the back half was, I do think they have some things left. And maybe one of those things is Tristan Smith. Maybe they do. Maybe they save that. Maybe they save some other things. I, I don't know exactly what they have left, but 
I feel like just knowing this coaching staff, they tried to save some things for this upcoming stretch. Yeah, and the thing is, it's going to be interesting. I like the onside kick. Uh, you know, maybe part of the kitchen sink is Malachi Braunex. I'm not sure, but, you know, it, it, it is such a tough opponent on Saturday. And the thing is, is the one thing that I'm actually starting to wonder as the week goes on, because, you know, uh, you know, leading up to game day, you know, you get the podcast, you, you know, you give a game prediction, all that type of stuff. You think about, you know, what you're going to say and what you think is going to happen. The only thing that I think Illinois State, that gives Illinois State a chance is if South Dakota comes in here thinking, we've seen this film, we've seen this team, we beat them last year when we were okay. We beat them last year when we were okay at home. But this year we're a lot better, and this team seems to be a lot, struggling a lot more. And you know what? If, if South Dakota, the only way Illinois State wins this game, in my opinion, is if South Dakota takes them lately. And that's possible. We saw South Dakota State a year ago come in national ranked and maybe take the Redbirds a little bit lightly. And that was a win that really saved the Redbirds season. On homecoming. On homecoming. That was a win that saved the Redbirds season. Uh, that was a year ago. Now this year, you mentioned last year's score, 27-24 at the Dakota Dome. That was a surprising loss for the Redbirds this year. Maybe looking to return the favor against the Coyotes. We'll start with the Net Sports Editor, Nate Head, your prediction for this one, homecoming Saturday. Okay, well, like I said earlier, you know, I expect it to be closer than maybe some others do. Uh, I expect a lot of points to be scored. You know, if there was an over-under in this game, I'd take the over. So that being said, you know, my, my score prediction, uh, South Dakota wins 35-24. 35-24 from Vedette Sports Editor Nate Head. Mike Marr, your prediction for this upcoming Saturday kickoff. It'll be a 2 p.m. kick. From Hancock Stadium. I'm not going to be as nice as Nate. Uh, this South Dakota team is just too good. I, it, just plain and simple. Uh, Streveler is one of the most prolific passers in the FCS this season. I mean, he's he's a different quarterback than Case Cookus was at Northern Arizona, but they can both throw the ball. And Cookus, you weren't going to see tuck and run. You were going to see Streveler tuck and run, and the defense alone is going to have their hands full. And then you go over to the defensive side or the offensive side for Illinois State, the defensive side for South Dakota, and this is a defense that can just feast on a team that's struggling offensively. That being said, I don't see it being close. Uh, I go 42-17, and if I'm being honest, I think Illinois State's probably down 42-10 and gets a little garbage time touchdown. That's just that's just my prediction. I just don't I just do not see it being close. This this South Dakota team, I'm telling you, is as every bit of number four in the country as number four in the country can get. I mean, they're going to give North Dakota State all they can handle. I mean, I think it's safe to say that South Dakota's replaced South Dakota State as that number two in the MBFC, and I haven't looked that far to South Dakota's schedule, but if North Dakota State and South Dakota play each other, I'm tuning into that one. They play week the before Illinois State and North Dakota State face off November 11th. That game is in Vermilion. That that is going to be for the MBFC regular season title because neither team, neither of those teams, is going to lose a game. Uh, and then obviously one of them has to come out, and I'm I wouldn't be surprised if you see South Dakota take that one. And that's just the caliber that South Dakota is. So there you have my prediction. I'll give the final prediction. We are going to touch upon volleyball very quickly here at the end of the podcast. But before we get to that, I, I've been talking to some people around this this Redbird football team. 
I think they're going to come out well. I, I do. I think this is back against the wall. If this is a Redbird team that has any fight, has any pride, they're going to come out and they're going to play well in the first half. I think this South Dakota team is just a little too talented, but I do think we're going to see a better effort than a lot of people are expecting on this Redbird team. I think the first half, they'll keep it competitive. Second half, I think South Dakota, again, they might come in taking the Redbirds a little bit too lightly, whatever the case is. I think second half, they show their superiority. They show either the top 10 team in the country, top 5 team in the country. But I think Redbirds keep it a little closer than people expect. I'll take 41-18, but I'll say it'll be competitive at halftime. Coyotes open up in the second half, but... All three of us are picking coyote, the Coyotes this weekend to take down the Illinois State Redbirds. Nate, 35-24. Mike in a blowout, and myself also in a game that's a little bit more lopsided. Now, before we sign off on this edition of the Redbird Report, just very quickly we'll get to the Illinois State women's volleyball team. A lot going on with the women on the hard floor. And Mike, take it away. Well, Leah Johnson and her group are going over to the top. They have, they open up the second half of the schedule with the top three teams in the Valley starting. They've been playing very well, winning streak up to four in a row. Correct. Uh, they're probably playing their best volleyball right now. Uh, these are all teams you've seen now. It's the second half of the season. You've seen Southern Illinois and Missouri State uh, just about a month ago uh, at Redbird Arena. You took Missouri State to five sets. You go you see them Saturday night. Uh, you look to return the favor there. And then Southern Illinois Friday night. Uh, you know what? Uh, this is a team that's finding their stride. And, and Coach Johnson is is really, really confident about how her girls are playing. Uh, she loves how Jalen Keene has really stepped it up here in these last couple weeks, especially because, I mean, she she's made it known that it was going to be an offense by committee because last year in the Valley, everybody knew the ball was going to be in Jalen's Keen, Jalen Keene's hands and they were going to make you beat them with Jalen Keene alone. And this year they've kind of implemented an all-around offense. And so they're at Southern Illinois and Missouri State, a very big weekend. Check for all the coverage at the end of the weekend from Nick Damiani. Nick Damiani doing a great coverage on the volleyball beat. Mike, you got some predictions for us for this volleyball team this weekend? I I think they'll beat Southern Illinois. I think that's a little five. I think that's a five setter. And then unfortunately, I think they go to Missouri State and lose in four. Uh, they lost to Missouri State in five at home. I just think Missouri State's too good. You're at Missouri State now. I think they split over the weekend and uh, take one in Carbondale. I, I agree with you. I think it's a split. I think we have the same teams. They beat Southern and lose to Missouri State. I'll say that each of those go four sets uh, in this upcoming weekend. That will do it for this edition of the Redbird Report. Not the panic edition, but certainly Nate Head has his finger on the panic button. Nate, your final thoughts? Anything else you got for us on this edition? Uh, that's all I got. Looking forward to the game. I'll be there, so make sure follow to follow Nate for the account. coverage, right? Yeah. And Mike, and Mike has the uh, weekend off for to celebrate homecoming, but Nate's there. He'll be doing the coverage. Yep. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Tom. Mike, final thoughts before we sign off here. Nate's got his finger not on the, the not on the panic button yet, but it's near the panic button. It's heading towards <laughs> it. Mike, I think, has already broken the panic button with how vigorously he's pushing it. My my final thoughts here are going to be this: the negativity that's come out of my mouth here lately uh, doesn't been a lot of it. it. There's been a lot of it. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I don't. Would, I would like to see Illinois State win. It makes it a lot better coverage uh, for us and for the Vedette if they win. Uh, so you know, all the negativity doesn't actually support what I may feel. Uh, you hope they pull it out because that's a big win. I mean, if you're able to pull this, that's a t- you know, that's a that's a very quality win. That's a win that say you finish six and five. This is something that the committee can look at and be like, hey, you know what? At home, they beat South Dakota, who was rolling. And so there's my final thoughts. 
6-0 South Dakota comes to town. Homecoming this weekend. We hope to see you at the tailgates this weekend. It'll be a 2 p.m. kickoff. Also, don't forget about Hoops Fest. That's 7 o'clock Friday night. A lot going on in homecoming weekend in normal. But the Redbirds looking to stun the top-ranked South Dakota Coyotes. That will do for this edition of the Redbird Report. We'll be back on Sunday. It'll be the very much homecoming hangover edition as the Redbirds and Coyotes have already feasted on one another. We'll see what happens Saturday afternoon. Should be a great one. Enjoy homecoming, everyone. Happy tailgating for this edition of the Redbird Report. For Mike Mara and Nate Head, I'm Tom Priceman signing off.